0: university live um here we are guys it's winter time we've got a great show for you we've got brent ayler won over three million dollars in his fishing career he's big time he's won at the biggest level championships he's won the forest wood cup uh which which is great because he's in he's in a, a small group that have won that uh, championship and that championship is no more. So there will be no more cup winner. So he's one of, uh, he's in rarefied air with that, but he's a super talented angler. I still think of him as a kid. He was young when he and I fished, uh, against each other, uh, you know, for his first tournaments coming from the West coast. And now he has really matured into one of the sports veteran anglers, a super champion. We're going to be diving into winter time techniques today which is uh it's all over the country we've got snow we've got cold weather we've got water temperatures plummeting and certainly they're doing it in our area too a lot of places are iced up up north already and uh but but a lot of open water and i want to give a big shout out to our own riz for smashing up a nine pounder this weekend
1: crushed it yeah that was pretty cool yeah that's going to be a tough one to beat honestly you know (laughs) it's say. there's, we, we know that there's that caliber fish swimming around in our water. And, you know, we see, we see one get caught every year and lucky enough this year, which I happen to be the one that that caught the big one. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was a really cool thing. You know, it was, it was one of those moments where you realize like everything kind of comes together for something like that to happen. You know, all the, all the times you go out and the weather stinks and it's brutal. And it's like, you know, you have, you got 45 minutes to fish before the sun goes down and you go out and you may catch one, you may not, whatever, all those things. I I always say that you got to earn those moments, just like you got to earn your big bags. Right. And the time on the water is something that gets thrown around a lot in the sport of bass fishing. And I think about that, little bit differently i think than a lot of people like time on the water to me it it undoubtedly helps towards your progression as an angler but i also think that your time on the water it's like a piggy bank that you just keep putting coins into that you earn the opportunities to kind of have like those those special moments and those those special fish so you know it was it was an awesome thing i got to experience it with um with one of my good friends and um you know, it's like I said, it's going to be a tough one to beat. But now I'm thinking about a ten
0: pounder. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, they live; they've been caught. Uh, it is rare uh, to get fish that big, but I like what your thought process, your commentary there, Rich. I think it's right because when you sent a, an image out that morning, uh, your your bass cat was froze over, mm-hmm. and I, I saw that, and, and I'm like, I, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, he's probably yeah uh, you know it's too cold to fish i thought that was the message you were sending and but no it was opposite most everybody would have said man it's it's freezing out you put your boat in the water you went yeah. out and and you put your time in on on a difficult day and 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 you got rewarded for it and uh and kudos to that i i remember uh, i was talking with uh scott martin about his dad rolling and and um that's what he said about Roland. Roland just loves it. He's still, even at this age, right. loves it. The more miserable the weather, yeah. He he purposefully <laughs> goes out. Yep. Just almost to say, you know, nobody else is going to go out exactly. today. I'm going. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And that's how you get it. That's how you get ahead. You know, getting out in those conditions. Big lesson that I learned in the Great Lakes because the big. What's the big problem with the big water? where
2: to go first well wind <laughs> wind oh god right wind and waves yep.
0: right the big giant wind and waves that's the that's the problem when the wind blows at practice or on any given day people they go to a protected Cove yep. they go into upper a creek but I learned man you got to get out into the big water so I started practicing in the purposefully in that heavy wind right getting out in that big water so that when when it blew on tournament day, I knew, I knew how to react. I knew what to do.
1: Yeah,
0: So so don't be intimidated by that, 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 uh, those conditions credit to you for going out on a really cold day.
1: Yeah. And I got a, I got a plug one of our seminars here that I've been listening to. I've actually listened to it multiple times now, but, uh, Cody Meyer did a seminar for us and it's how to catch bass that are impossible to catch. And that guy's, if you're watching right now and you're not signed up to Bash TV, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the camera. <laughs> it is worth your membership right there in that seminar. I mean, we have a ton of seminars that are absolutely great just like that, but Cody Myers catching bass that are impossible to catch was incredible because, you know, it, it really breaks down how these bigger than average fish move, where they live and the ways that you can target them. And I'd be lying if I said that, that that didn't play into kind of the way that these fish that we were targeting were, were set up. And it wasn't just a single fish. When I caught the, when I caught the nine, we'd, we'd caught a five and a four and then another, another, you know, heavy five after that. And so it wasn't a singular fish. Mm. It was a group and they were in a place that you wouldn't typically think that they should be, you know, they're, they're, they're further out, they're set up differently. And, um, Anyway, check out the Cody Meyer seminar, catching bass that are impossible to catch. It it really, really is a good one.
0: And, and <laughs> still going on right now is our amazing deal. Thanks to our folks at Tackle Direct. We're brought to you by Tackle Direct Studios. Uh, just a tremendous coupon that they're giving away for annual subscribers. It's a $100 gift card. You got to take advantage of it if you're not a subscriber. Uh, it's $99 for the year. We are running out. And we'll be running out uh, most likely this week. So while supplies last, get yourself subscribed to BashU.TV. guys. That uh, that are subscribed, we're going to be taking your IMs and passing them through to Brent uh, for the show. We've got a great we've got a great Facebook uh, like and share contest going on. Right now, Rich, I'm going to pass it to you because we got prizes for that and some more.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We got a Facebook like and share going on, guys. Uh, all you got to do is like and share the feed to your page. That's going to be uh, an awesome prize pack from Waterwood Custom Baits. They are really, really well-made baits, and you can win some of them just by liking and sharing today's feed. We also have a grand prize going on. That's going to be a Rapala prize pack. We're going to pull a question from today's show. Ask it at the end, and you can have a chance to win that awesome Rapala prize pack. Uh, that's going to go out to a Bashu TV member. And then also on today's show, make sure you stay tuned until the end because we are announcing the winner of the Mega Rapala, uh Four Weeks of Christmas prize pack that we ran last week. So guys, stay tuned in with us. We're going to announce the winner of that. And when we announce it, we got to connect with you to get your info to, to get you that prize. So stick with us throughout the show. Uh, we're gonna be announcing that And If you're at work, turn it on in the background. If you're <laughs> you know, if you're if you're doing something else, just stay tuned in, listen. And there's gonna be a lot of good info going around there. And guys, don't forget, it's also a great time to either buy or sell a boat right now. Winners here, but that doesn't mean that you stop thinking about fishing. If you're looking to get in a bass boat, head over to bassboatforsale.com. All these boats are highly vetted, they're tournament ready so that you can jump in the boat. Get out there and start fishing, and and have a quality boat underneath you while you're doing it. And also, if you're looking to sell, it's a great place to sell as well. BassboatforSale.com. They help buyers and sellers. Um, also, check out Hobie Eyewear. The sunglasses are so legit. They're lightweight. They're comfortable, and the lenses are really, really, really good. <laughs> and a lot of the models float, so that's something cool too. If you're uh, always having problems with losing your sunglasses because they fall off the boat guess what hobie eyewear they're going to float i don't know who has that kind of problem <laughs> i i don't know <laughs> i think a lot of people might have that one pete and uh last but not least our friends over at epoch batteries guys lithium batteries are changing the game power is something that that it, it's really forgotten about in the sport of fishing and Keeping your boat powered, whether that's your trolling motor batteries, your big motor, your electronics, all that is so important to having a successful day on the water. Whether you're tournament fishing or just fishing for fun, check out Epoch Batteries. They got awesome lithium batteries to keep you going all day long.
0: The thing I like most about uh, the lithium battery, which is so important in our forward-facing sonar days and all the electronics Mm -hmm. that we have, they operate better when they're getting the maximum voltage to yep. the to the units everything performs better it, from dealing with interference to getting uh getting strong feedback from the units um having that max voltage is there and that's what lithium does it delivers that you know mega 12 plus volts uh j- just as soon as they get hooked up so uh yeah, you really
2: need that clarity on those live live views and that type of thing
0: Clarity is key. And we got Scott Carlisle with us, our head of marketing over here at BashU, sitting in for, for little Miss Jocelyn. We miss you, Jocelyn. Yep, Jocelyn's home uh, sick with the flu today, so uh, we wish you well. Hope to have you back real soon. and. And, Scott, you're going to be handling the IM boards and, uh, for us at BashU, as well as monitoring all the questions on all our other social feeds. I see we've got quite a few people on our uh, on our IM board right now.
2: Yeah, Riz, lots, and lots of guys saying congratulations on your personal best. <laughs> Way to go. You know, <laughs> Scott and uh, Antonio and those guys are all about it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I,
1: I got to give a shout-out to Howie Range, because yeah. one of the things we do at the beginning of every show – is I'm always either tapping Jocelyn or Brian and saying, ask the guys how the sound is. Ask how the soundboard is. Hmm. I didn't ask that today because I don't have Jocelyn sitting next to me. <laughs> Howie, on the ball, says, <laughs> things sound good, Riz. He's, <laughs> he's locked in. He's keeping his dial in. Howie Range, uh, you are
0: the man. <laughs> you are the man, Howie. We we love Howie. He's been uh, around Bash you since the beginning, as uh as I'm getting my phone propped up here a little bit. But, uh yeah, shout out to Howie. And good to have you with us as always, Riz. Did you catch five fish that day? What's that? The day with the nine pounder? Yeah. Well, what, yeah. what? Now I, I'm putting a mega bag together here on paper mm. because I heard you say five, five and a half, a four, and a nine. <laughs> what was number five? Um, a heavy three. A, a, we'll call it a three and a half. Yeah. You know, that's that's got you at 23, twenty-three, twenty six you're in a twenty-seven pound bag, and that's conservative. <laughs> right, right.
2: Yeah, that's a thousand island bag.
0: That's pretty <laughs> pretty solid, pretty solid that's for 40 insane. degree water temperatures. What was the water temperature that day? 43. 43, right on the button. Awesome. Well, guys, if you're just tuning in, we've got uh, one of the greatest anglers in the world that's going to be joining us here shortly, Brent Ayler. Uh, we're going to be talking about wintertime techniques, fishing in this cold water, fishing for these giants. I know he lives on the West Coast, and he's got access to a lot of giant fish out there. Can't wait to talk to him. He's been a friend of Bash University forever. So we're going to take a quick break, break, and we'll be right back with the great Brent Ayler.
1: What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University, and I am excited to welcome in... Waterwood custom baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits in the south rainforest of Brazil. They're made of marupa pedra wood. It's extremely dense. It's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait these things are handmade in the rainforest south of brazil and i mean as you can see right here it's a fish catching bait it's got the front hook that means they wanted it this bait's uh it's running really true it throws really well guys check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com
0: ForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple we give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list one-time listing fee no commission and boats list until they sell bassboatforsale.com check it out
1: aqua view the leader in underwater viewing technology Find what you are looking for, catch more fish, have more fun, Aquaview, seeing is believing.
0: Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm
1: truly losing less fish.
0: It is the sensitivity of the rod.
1: That's made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in
0: Sanford, North Carolina. From
3: the drop shot rod, the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing in a tournament.
1: Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod i found that can withstand my hooks that Boom! Goes the dynamite!
3: On the water, not spent fishing, is a moment wasted. That's why Minn Kota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.
0: Welcome back to Bass University Live. We're kicking around uh, the the Hobies that we like, the Hank Cherry models, which uh, Scott likes, and uh, these are these are the Huntington's. Man, I love these because you can swap out the lenses uh, as opposed to carrying multiple uh, pairs of glasses around with you. We uh, we love our Hobie eyewear. Yeah, we do, and we love this guy, man. He's uh, you know, like I said, he's a three million dollar winner out on tour and uh he's just an amazing angler and even even a better instructor at bash university and we're we've been proud to have him uh for for a long time and and really excited to have him here with this good friend of ours brent ayler how you doing buddy doing well thanks for having me, you guys it's uh good to be on with
4: you it'll be a lot of fun
0: yeah it's always good to to have you on you've been uh you know we've known each other for a long time. Of course, I always revisit when we bumped into each other at Lake Cumberland. Uh, that how many years ago is that now?
4: Uh, well, that was four the EverStart Championship in
0: 04. So, in which you won, which you won I that won. tournament and and really made your started your career, I guess uh, or kicked it into gear anyway, but that was almost 20 years ago. And at the time you, you, I don't even know if you were 20 years old, you didn't look like it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I, I was, uh, 20 shoot. I was upper (laughs) twenties. Okay, I'm 45 now. So someone do the math. I'm not fast enough to do that math, but, uh, but no, that was early on for me. Uh, you know, I was fishing the Western Everstarts through FLW out here. And uh, prior to that tournament, I actually had lined out that I will, you know, was going to fish the FLW tour in 2005. So, you know, I was just a regional fisherman then. I, I you know, had planned on starting to fish the tour, which would have been that next season. So it was a great way to kind of cap off that you know, regional fishing to go and fish the
0: tour and, uh, you know, I've kind of never really looked back since. So kind of crazy. Yeah, that, that was crazy. You, what was the purse on that one? That was that like a, a quarter million dollar purse back then? No, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. So I, I've had, you know, my,
4: my first two wins were that one, which was the everstart series championship. And I think I made about 75 for that. Um, but the That's very next year is when they they're like, hey, by the way, the EverStart Championship is now three hundred grand, you know, or something <laughs> where it was like it doubled. Well, then I won the Forestwood Cup in 06 at five hundred, and the very next year is when they went up to a million. So it happened to me two different times, you know. The very first time in that one, believe me, I'm not complaining, but it's kind of interesting that it happened that way. So uh, if I was just one year later on both of those I would have had quite a bit more of earnings on that. So uh you know I, I remember that being kind of interesting how how it went down and and uh like I said I'm not complaining one bit. I'm very fortunate on what went down.
0: Dude, that's awesome. I mean that's I've I've been on the wrong side of that uh Eddie, but if you fish a long time things get changed. Uh they, I remember they uh they took the top uh what was it top three to go to the the elites uh or go to the classic from the aoi on the opens uh is is what they did and and then they moved it to two and i finished third the next year and sat out on that one but i I, you know i i would i'd like to you know i'm getting in your camp here brent i think uh you know maybe we should send an invoice to major league fishing to see if we can recoup some of that forest wood cup money that, that should have been yours.
3: <laughs>
0: I like your thinking. Uh, I, uh, I'm interested to see what kind of response you get from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that get kicked to the curb as fast as anything, but uh, for sure. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Great wins. Uh, you've got a cup win. That's, you know, obviously that's, that's a championship. That's, that's a big, big deal, and uh, and you've done you've done really well. You're, um, you know, you've got a lot of skill sets. We were really excited, and and I want to touch on this because uh, I don't know how much it's gonna. Uh, our conversation today is going to revolve around winter time fishing, but uh, we're dropping the Brent Ayler Power Shotting seminar on Thursday of this week uh, that we filmed with you a little bit earlier in the year, and uh, we're really excited to launch that one on Thursday. Oh,
4: good deal. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a good one. I had a fun time doing that.
0: Um, you know,
4: great technique for, uh, guys out there that like to flip, that fish a lot of shallow water, that power shots, a a, a great way for fishing. Now where I live right now, where a lot of people live, is probably not necessarily the right thing to do. Um, you know, believe me, whoever has shallow water in the wintertime, they're going to flip. And it is a great technique to use for, uh, wintertime fishing. But if you're like me, uh, you know, living in Southern California, there's really just a lot of, you know, clear cold reservoirs, fish get deep. You know, the only time they really go shallow right now is when it's windy or or, uh, raining or both, you know, it's, that's about the only time you can go and, and start cranking them shallow and doing different things like that. But typically this time of year across the country, it's, it's slow down and fish a little bit deeper, um, you know, or a lot of bit deeper depending on the water that you're in. Um, Wintertime fishing is tough. It, it, it is, and, uh, you know, we're right there in that category here at my house. You know, we're Southern California. We have great weather, but, shoot, it was 35 degrees last night, and the fishing just flat out gets tough. Um, you know, the fish do several different things here. Uh, they they don't eat a lot. They get unstructured. They don't really feed much. Or they, they turn into tuna, and they get out there, and they're pelagic, and they just swim with the bait, you know, almost like a striper. And, uh, those are the fish that are easy to catch, but they're hard to get a bait in front of because, hard to find. you know, they're here right now. You catch one, you might double hook up and you may not find another one for two, three days, but when they're there, they're, they're eating and they're easy to catch, but man, they move quick and you can't find them. So, um, hmm. you know, it's, it's an interesting time of year. This is, this is the time of year where I go out to my home lake and you know, really only catch a few a day. So you just have to go out there knowing that you're just, you're not going to go and catch 20. Uh, it just, that's just what
0: happens in the wintertime. So. Yeah. Uh, lower your expectations, right? Yeah. 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 Catch them, but you got to be. The, the you know, flip side though. a bit. What's that? Just lowering those expectations a little bit can keep your head in the game, recognizing that, hey, man, we're only going to possibly get a few bites today, but like our own Riz, they could be a nine-pounder, yeah. you know? Exactly. That's what I was going to say
4: is that the, uh, the upside is that the fish are usually quite a bit bigger. So, um, you know, it's funny, last year, not last year, the year, last year I only had half a day in my new boat before I had to run back east because it showed up so late, but the year prior – uh, I went and picked up my new boat. So, so, typically, what I do is I get my new boat, you know, if I can in the fall, and that way I can fish with it throughout the fall and have it everything broken and ready for the start of the season in, in uh, you know, early February. And not this past season, but the season before, I picked up my boat at English Marine. It's a dealership out here, um, it's a ranger dealer here in Southern California. And I ran to the lake. And I, I, I just run hot laps around the lake for about an hour, hour and a half, you know, initially just to get that first push for the break in. And I finally go, you know, I'm going to stop and fish a little bit here. And I dropped the trolling motor and I pulled out a, you know, jig. I like to throw a half ounce jig out here or drop shot in the, in the wintertime. But in this case, I pulled out the jig. I made it, you know, long cast out there on a structure spot. And my line jumped. I set the hook. And I mean, this is I'm not, I'm not joking. This is the first cast in the new boat and it, it's a 10 pounder and it's up there jumping and walling around. It gets to the boat and makes one of those real lazy jumps and comes off right at the side of the boat. Oh. And not only does it come off, but he doesn't know he's unhooked yet. And he's sitting upside down on the surface and I'm using my rod, you know, like this, trying to pull him <laughs> close to me so I can get my hand on him. And he just slowly went like this and just slowly. Oh no. I'm not joking. It was a 10 pounder and it was funny cause it was, uh, about three thirty in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon, and, and I you know I got in the water at noon. I ran around for hour and a half. I worked on the graphs and the trolling motor, just did a bunch of stuff, and uh, lost that fish. About two casts later, I catch a three pounder, and then it's time to go in. So, I go, man, I, I can't wait to get out there tomorrow. I'm gonna go and fish all day. I go out and I I get on the water about nine o'clock, and I do not have a single bite. Until four o'clock in the afternoon, I fished all day, had zero bites until four o'clock. From four until five o'clock, I had three or four bites. Um, but you know that day before, I dropped the trolling motor and they were biting. You know, and I thought they were just biting. No, it was just that afternoon window where they were actually biting. So, a lot of times, what you see this time of year is the fish will bite first thing and they'll bite last, and then during the day, especially if you have that high sun and calm and no wind. They just do not want to bite and I don't know what it is. I don't know how to trick them. It's very,
0: very hard to catch them in the middle of the day when it's slick calm like this. Yeah. I That's, that's an important point. And, and we see it here. Like we get really cold and it'll be, I mean, water temperature in the upper thirties, you break breaking ice, the air temperatures are a bone chilling and still first thing in the morning, there is a bite no matter how cold that water temperature is that there's always a bite in the morning it's so crazy
2: you gotta have their breakfast
0: (laughs) it it is weird yeah and there's
4: you know that's the coldest of the water is gonna be you know it it cools off all night it hasn't had a chance to warm up yet it doesn't have anything to do with with the water temperature it has to do with them and and the visibility being able to see that's their best time for hunting I don't really know but it doesn't matter how cold the water is it seems like that first uh you know light like that they'll bite and then you know then you start to hear that well in the afternoons the water temperature starts warming up that's when they start getting a little aggressive i believe that but i don't understand why that first light the water's going to be the coldest it's going to be all day and
0: that's when they bite I, I don't know why yeah like you said it's breakfast scott and you know and then <laughs> and then after that let the suffering begin correct yeah exactly
4: exactly <laughs> so, um <laughs> But you know, it's uh there's things you can do. You know, I I uh on my home lake it's easy to do, but you know, fishing across the country and, and running on you know bodies of water you don't know, it's it's hard to do. But man, to slow down. If 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 you're on your home body of water and you know it, you know there's a rock pile, you know there's whatever structure spot, man, just fish slow, slow, slow. You know, just I mean, I'm talking, you can throw a drop shot out there and let it hit the bottom and count to one minute, count 60 seconds before you ever move it. Good Lord. Move it a couple of times and, and count to 30 again. I mean, I, I have caught them that way, uh, by doing that. And, you know, really I learned it and it's funny. I I did a podcast the other day and that was kind of one thing I talked about. What I did is, uh, the fishing was so this was years ago. This was before I started fishing nationally. I was fishing out here just regionally and um i was i was so sick of you know going out and catching two a day i mean i'd bust my butt and catch two a day and i decided i wanted to go and fish some live bait so i went and bought some night crawlers and i went and bought some crawdads and and i went out and all of a sudden i started catching a bunch of fish and you know there's there's no substitute for the real thing Uh, but one thing i learned is that your crawdads were hard to keep alive so you know it was easy to just get a you know those little styrofoam packs of night crawlers and you just throw them in the fridge at home and when i'd go out i'd take that pack of night crawlers with me and i'd pin a night crawler on a drop shot you know a wacky rig just just pin it right in the middle and throw it out there And you know i the first time i did it i didn't really know how to fish it i go well do i cast this out there and let it sit like i would if i was just using a night or you know catfish or trout or whatever just wait for my line to go and that's you know right. i didn't know what to do so I threw it out there and i i waited i didn't really know and i moved a little bit and i waited a little bit longer and then my line jumped and swam off and and, you know there's a fish so what i figured out is that i could throw to these structure spots those fish are there they just don't want to eat but what i would do with that night crawler is let it sit for a really long time and just barely move it and then they come and bite it so i had a tournament coming up and I realized that I'd been going out and doing nothing but fishing live bait. So how am I going to fish in this tournament that's, you know, it's artificials only. So,
2: Crushed them on a live long, bait in the derby.
4: <laughs> I know, I know. So I, I took a long, skinny worm and I wacky rigged it on a drop shot. Because night crawler, I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. When you pin them like a wacky rig right in the middle and you fish them in that cold water, when you reel them in, I'm not joking. Those night crawlers would be 12, 14 inches long and really skinny there's something about when they get in the water like that. They just, they expand, you know, they, they lengthen, and get really long and skinny. So I took a real long, skinny hand-poured worm and, you know, started the tournament. I just ran out there. I pinned on that long, skinny worm and I fired it out to a rock pile. And I told my buddy, my team partner, I go, man, I don't, it's going to be a long day. And, you know, I did my night crawler deal and counted to a minute. And just barely lift it. You know, if you imagine that drop shot, you have the drop shot, the weight on the bottom, and the worm on the top. When it hits the bottom, the weight hits like this, and the worm just goes like this and just slowly falls, right? Well, now yeah. it's sitting there for 60 seconds. And when I lift my rod tip, if I lift it, that worm goes like this. It pulls up, it just barely moves. That's before I even shake it or do anything. So all I would do is just lift just to where I could feel the weight, and I drop the rod tip again, and I count to 30. And then all I do is I lift that rod tip until I feel that weight, count to 30. And about the second time I lifted it, my line jumped. Very first cast of the morning in the tournament. So I ended up catching, you know, every one of the fish on that wacky rig drop shot, fishing it really ultra slow like that. I was the only guy in the tournament to have a limit that day. So there was something to fishing it really, really slow like that. And I learned that from fishing live bait so uh believe me there's there's nothing like the actual real thing but i was able to duplicate that and and fish it ultra slow uh now kind of going back to what i said earlier i can't do that fishing nationally i can't do that going to a lake that i don't know you know i'm running around the lake just trying to get a bite yeah. i don't know you know why make a cast at something i don't know a fish is there unless he tells me he's there but on my home lake I know they live there. They just don't want to bite, period. End of story. So if if you're at home and you know that there's fish there, you can try this technique. And if it's really cold, uh, the fishing's really slow, bluebird skies, sun, that's the time to do that. Fish really, really slow. Now you can do the same thing with a jig. Throw the jig out there, let it sit, let it sit, and just move it. What I think happens is that they... You know Those fish watch the bait fall. They see it down there. They know it's there. I mean, that's think about it. That's their home. You're not tricking them into anything. They're aware of their surroundings. Otherwise, they wouldn't be alive. They're aware of everything around them. They see that bait go. I think they look at it in the wintertime, but they don't have enough conviction to actually eat it, if that makes sense. And I think they sit there in their home, they watch that jig. They watch that drop shot show up. And I think they look at it for a little bit. And if you fish it normally, it crawls away and they just they don't care. But when they sit there and they start to kind of forget that it's there and you move it, I think they go, oh, that thing is still there. You know, they did that one little side eye thing that they do when they when they start to see something down there i think you do that That by
1: the way that was like perfect of what a (laughs) bastard i know what you mean
4: (laughs) (laughs) i think you do that a couple times you know they forget that it's there it moves then they remember (laughs) there they move and they remember i think that pretty soon they're gonna be like now's the time
0: now's the time they say they
4: would have a three (laughs) three second memory I believe it. Three, three second, 10 second Tom. What's the 51st date? Yeah, I it's <laughs> Tom, you guys wow. it's, it,
0: yeah, it's it, it. it's interesting you see that because it like, uh, we were talking about some. Uh, there was another seminar where a guy was talking about hiding a bait behind was, you know, it was it was like Drew Cook talking yeah. about that,
1: how he hides his bait <laughs> behind stuff just bait behind the bed. He lets yeah. it sit down and into the silt. And when the yeah. fish come back, he snaps it. Yeah. And...
0: Just same, same type of thing.
1: Yeah. You know? It's but yeah. but
0: letting it sit there for uh 30, 30 seconds, a minute of time, that takes a really warm snowmobile suit. Yeah. To... <laughs> yeah, time to do. It, it it does. And you know what? And I'm <laughs> I'm I'm so bad at uh
4: you know I, I'm self-diagnosed ADD, so I, I don't know uh you know, I have a hard time doing that. You know, I tell myself, oh, I'm going to fish this one really slow. Next thing I know, I'm three three casts later, and I forgot that I was supposed to fish slow. Right. <laughs> so I force myself to count. So if I make that cast, mm-hmm. I tell myself, I'm going to count to 30. So then I just sit there and go, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. If I don't count, I will move it and be casting. And, and you know, like I said, I tell myself I'm going to fish slow. Next thing I know, I'm I'm three casts deep doing something else. I force myself to count. So think about that. If you go out there, just try it, just get out on the, you know, whatever lake you're on, your structure spot, you know, they live there, fishing's miserable. Try that, make that cast force yourself to count, you know, give it 30 seconds, move it once, move it twice, give it 30 more seconds, do that a handful of times. So one cast is going to take you two, three minutes. But I'm telling you that the the reward of that is is pretty impressive. And and I've done it a few times at at home, and it really works. You know, when that water temperature gets tough, when the sun's high, when it's calm, it's the wrong time for those fish to feed. But guess what? It's the only time you're out there, so you have to try and get them bite somehow. So uh, aside from using live bait, that's the best thing I got.
1: (laughs) It's amazing, like, once you get a bite doing something like that, like, you're like, oh, okay, it actually does work. And you have the reward of catching a fish. And it makes it a lot easier to count to 30 <laughs> after you've counted to 30 and you caught one, like, right. like jerkbait fishing. Like, you know, it's like we all are guilty of like, okay, I gotta, I gotta really slow down, let let it sit for longer. And it's like, if it, you're letting it sit for longer and you're not catching, you're like, oh, well, this isn't even working. So why am I doing it? But then the first time you let it sit for 15 seconds, and then the next time you hit it, there's one on it, you're like, Okay, I can wait for 15 seconds all day long if I'm gonna <laughs> keep so- catching it. For you know?
4: sure. And that, and that's a great example. A jerkbait is a good one for doing that. Um, you know, Clear Lake out west here, uh it's it's 10 to one fishing it slow versus fishing it fast. And it, it's so weird how you can do that. You could have a guy that will pause three to five seconds, not get a bite. The guy that pauses that 20 to 30 seconds is the one that catches a bunch. And uh I have to do the same thing with a jerk bait. Is cast it out there, twitch it, and I'm just watching the line and counting. That's all I'm doing. And half the time you're sitting there, you know, you get to 20. You know, if I say I'm going to count to 30, I get to 20, and also my line just starts stripping out. You know, they got it before I do anything with it. So it's just sitting there for 20 seconds. That crap is just sitting like this, and it might even be just slow sinking. When you get in that cold water, they like to just kind of slow sink, you know, so it's just going like that just real slow and they just come up and just, and just turn. So a lot of times you get to that 22nd mark and they've already got it. So, uh, that's- but counting is a big deal. At least for me, that's, that's the only way I can do it. Right.
0: One, one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite bites. And it's so hard. You got to have the patience and to sit there and you're watching that slack in your line and you just, you feel that little tick. with a jerk bait you know and and it it makes you almost think i was probably a bluegill or a crappie pecking at my jerk bait and it's not it's just that bass just sucking it in and they can be giants a lot of time big six seven pounder i'll have a dog bone sideways in his mouth you know Mm -hmm. exactly it felt like a little tick is clear lake your uh is that your home body are you close to there no, I'm not. Unfortunately, I, I love Clear Lake. It is it
4: is one of my favorite fisheries uh, you know, across the country. Uh, I live in Southern California. Clear Lake is about a nine hour drive for me. So uh, the lakes I have around here are small city lakes. So the mm-hmm. one I go to a lot is Lake Paris. It's a it's a state run lake. It's a it's a California state park. Uh, I want to say it's three, four thousand acres. It's not very big. It's, it's really small. Um, you know, fishing's tough, but you know, for me this time of year, I don't, I don't want to drive anywhere. If I go outside of fishing right here, I get caught in a lot of traffic and I have to drive a long way. So, you know, if I'm going to go to a Costake or something like that, at, you know, or the San Diego lakes, it's going to take me two, three hours to get there one way based on traffic and distance. I'd rather go to Lake Paris that's 30 minutes from my house, fish for a couple hours and come home, um, Sure, you know. I don't put in the hard days from dark to dark. I usually get up, I'll run to the gym, do things around the house, take my son to school, and then you know nine ten o'clock. Then I'll start thinking about going out to the lake and fish. You know until you know four or five in the evening. You know be home for for dinner. So uh, that's what I try to do out here. Unfortunately, Clear Lake is not close. Uh, it's 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 like I said. I fish all over the country, and it's by far
0: one of my favorite lakes I've ever been to. It's on. My, it's on my bucket list. I, I got to get out there. Been wanting to get out there for years. They're in the Delta. Never haven't fished either one. Well, in in Southern California, like what's winter te- time temperatures look like out there? What's the water? How how cold will it get? You know, it's not cold.
4: Uh, Fifty. <laughs> um, you know, okay. when it gets real cold out here, I'm guessing it's probably low fifties. So really, not that cold. But yep. it, it's, it, it's relative to the conditions, you know, of where they right. are. When you think about Florida, you, know, you look at guys, you, you call someone in Florida right now and say, hey, what's the water temp? And they go, it's 80, you know, it's 75. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it gets really ultra cold in Florida, you're talking about 55 degrees. I mean, that is ultra, ultra cold. And it's only going to be that temp for about two or three days. And then guess what? The spawn's following that. You know, they're spawning right now in Florida. That's just the way Florida is. You know, it's every place you go to, you know, you guys, you're probably thinking, no, 50, 55 degrees is warm. You know, that's when they're they're active. They're up swimming around going crazy. For us, that's when it's cold and they act just like they would if it was 30 degrees
0: for you guys all right yeah that's that's shorts and t-shirt weather yeah for us <laughs> <Right-time> fun, yeah. <laughs> come on that's perfect but uh let, let me ask you about that we were talking about this and um uh ish one of our one of our buddies was talking about the float and fly technique as a powerful uh wintertime technique have have you spent any time with that technique you know i i have and i've tried it at my home lake here and
4: um, uh, but I tried it here, but I tied up some real big flies. I wanted a, a, a big bait down there for them to get. And I bought all the material. I spent multiple hours tying these things because I know how to tie flies. And, and, uh, I was convinced that that was how I was going to catch them out here at Lake Paris. I never had a single bite on them. So, um, but it's a big deal for spotted bass. I know when you get up to, uh, Lake Oroville, Lake Shasta, you know, some of the, the clear, uh, you know, big reservoirs, uh, with spotted bass. That's a big deal. They catch them on the float and fly, but I have never, you know, I've caught a few on it, but, uh, nothing that, you know, I'm real impressed with back. The ones I've caught on, have been back East. I haven't done it here at home, but I know up in Northern California, that's a big deal around those spotted bass. Um, you know, a lot of the Tennessee guys do that. Um, you know it's just it it's a real popular technique i've just i've never figured it out
0: yeah i've i've played with it just a little bit and uh but i know a lot of guys like you said that tennessee river guys uh they they credit that as being a way to get them through the winter time and um and for for there's a guy don't know what a floating fly is it's it's kind of it's it's just cork fishing you know you're you're drifting a a, a fly a lot of times a crappie st- sized jig or and they have bigger bass ones like you're talking about Brenton all sizes but you're just you're just floating that for suspended fish that are extremely difficult to catch and uh it's it's we keep thinking we're going to see that play in a tournament you know right. in some of these cold water tournaments like now that the the classic has moved to the spring you know we keep waiting for that float and fly to to be a factor, but we haven't seen it yet. But see uh, a
1: guy slinging one out there with a big orange bobber on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome. I'd love to see the live coverage on that. Things getting it, all tangled up, spinning around. It's actually Yeah, to when I
0: see guys fishing that, it kind of looks like you with the camera gear, with yeah. wires everywhere <laughs> and big poles, and it's all ty- all over the deck and all. Co- it's hard to get that bait out there. It's tricky. <laughs> it it's certainly tricky, man. But um anyway are there talk to me about your uh your uh, by the way uh guys watching us over at bashi.tv you got a question for brent question about wintertime fishing let us know wherever you're watching us, uh and we'll we'll relay your questions along to brent but uh but i see that because we have a question right now what do we got for brent yeah we got
2: uh one from youtube from kenneth he's out in colorado He's got a lot of reservoirs out there that don't freeze over mm-hmm. and he's looking for a best way, uh, advice, how to attack that water when he's looking at it and starting his day. So you go deep first, you go, you know, what, if you're going to hit a new body of water like that in the winter, what do you do first?
0: Brian, I'll throw it out to you. What do you, brand new body of water in the winter time. Kind of like, it sounds like the bodies of water you fish. Yep. What
2: are you going to do? It does. It does.
0: And, and really,
4: uh. You know, kind of like what we talked about you know, earlier, the, the fish seem to bite better in the morning. So if you can get out uh, first thing, you know, I don't care how cold the water is. I start off going reaction bait. I do, especially in the morning like that, fish are gonna be active. Really the, the two style of baits that, that I run are, are a crank bait and a jerk bait uh, this time of year. You know, I, don't, I never really throw the Alabama rig. I'm sure that would be effective as well. But for me, it's a crank bait and a jerk bait. Um, you know, what crankbait I really like is a lucky craft DD 2.5 and it's the DRS model that has kind of that single knock to it. That's the, the bait that I really like to throw at home. It runs about 12, 14 feet, you know, on a long cast, I can get that thing to 14 or 15. Um, but I like it cause it's a little bit meatier bait, you know, it's a 2.5 body. So it's a little bit bigger. Has that little single knock to it. Um, I like that crankbait in the wintertime. I mean, I've caught so many fish on that here at home. In fact, I filmed a TV show years ago for Lost Lake. Uh, it was a, it's a TV show that was on OLN, I think at the time. And I ran to a lake out in LA County that I hadn't hadn't been to before, and I caught a I caught a 10 pounder on that thing on camera. Whoa. Uh, yeah the 2.5 dd it was funny i I was cranking a 1.5 down the bank and saw a good little rock pile that was just kind of off the bank a little bit and i go man i'm going to come back to that And i rolled around with that 1.5 for about another hour and i slid up there with that 2.5 dd and first cast across i catch a it was like a nine pound 14 ounce you know it was like right there at 10 pounds um So that's the crankbait I really like, you know, and you don't need to slow down. Fish it normal. I fish it pretty fast. You know, they're going to be active for those first two hours of the morning. And, um, you know, I crank that. If if the water there in Colorado is shallow, you know, a little bit stained, then 1.5. Done deal. Just a 1.5 shallow. Uh, The 2.5 DD, uh, the DRS, that's the deep rattle sound, is the one I fish for any kind of deep diving crankbait. Uh, and then a jerkbait. Uh you know I I I love the Lightning Pointer that Lucky Craft makes. They make a DD and a standard, you know, version of it. Has a really really good action to it. Uh especially that DD it gets just a hair deeper than the original one. Um the action on it is better than any jerkbait I've seen for a long long time. So um you know, if you want to get a real deep diving jerk bait, that pointer 100 DD gets deeper than anything I've ever seen. I get that thing about down to 12 feet. Uh, so if you're fishing a spot that's real deep, then go with that one. A spot that's medium deep, then go with the uh, the DD uh, lightning pointer. And then if it's just a standard anything, you know, 12 foot or less, I just throw that uh, uh, original lightning pointer. Um, You know, really, you got to experiment with the jerk bait for uh, the speed. You know, we talked earlier about going to Clear Lake or different places where you have to pause for a long time. I think in the morning you can get away with a fairly fast cadence uh, with that bait. Uh, And then if it was, you know, starting to taper off, maybe you're at that 10 o'clock in the morning and it's sunny and calm, that's where you're going to have to go to that, you know, 10, 20, 30 second pause between twitches on that jerk bait but uh, really for me cranking and jerk bait is, is how i catch them in the winter time a lot uh even in clear water you know the lakes i fish here at home are clear people don't realize you can catch them cranking you, you really can and you know especially first thing in the morning um you know then late in the day you know i say late in the day late in the morning when you get to that, about that 10 o'clock hour that's probably when i start slowing down throwing a you know worm or jig you know drop shot that kind of thing and trying to fish really slow
0: yes yes when the water is at its warmest that's great question uh and i've got the you're talking about the pointers one of the top secret uh baits in the in the real cold water around here is that itty bitty 65 oh yeah uh the teeny tiny little jerk bait is a killer in cold water situations yeah Uh,
3: we love that great
0: So, so brent uh feel free to call the folks at lucky craft and ship us out a uh, a Christmas
4: package.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to
1: circle back on something that Brent mentioned earlier, and it was talking about the the bass that become pelagic on bait, and like to me that's such a fascinating thing. And and Pete, we talk about it a bunch, right? Because where we live on the on the Chesapeake, Brent, we have you know, we, you've been there, we have this massive grass flat that for a large part of the year is the deal. Like from, from May until through September, even it's, it's, it's the deal nine times out of 10, you're not going to beat it. And there are just massive numbers of, of big fish that, that flock to that between that four and seven pound range. And, you know, in the, in the fall and in the winter, we know places that some of these fish move to, right? Like they, they move into certain places, but the amount of fish that we know that live in that system on the flat all summer long can't possibly all be moving into these places because they just don't get caught as much th- these times of year. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've kind of learned is that a lot of these fish, like you said, they they swim with the stripers and they, they kind of move differently. And what I want to know is is two things like Do you think that that a fish that becomes pelagic and just starts to move on bait and move with, you know, bigger game fish, is that just a bass that is kind of different than the rest of the species, like the rest of the bass? And then also like, how do you, how, how would you specifically target them? Like if you were going to go out and look for just them, just those giants that move on the bait and they're swimming around with schools of striper, like how are you going to attack them?
4: I, that's a good question. I, I don't exactly know what some of those fish do. Um, my theory is that those fish are out there, they're roaming right now until something tells them to, you know, do something different. You know, they're out there swimming with bait. If there's stripers in there, they might be swimming with striper. If they're not, you know, if there aren't stripers in there, they're swimming out there with their buddies and they're just following the bait. And then come March, they're going to be like, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and roll up to that shallow water up there and get warm and and do some loving. I think that that's what they do. And then after that happens, after the spawn, who knows what they do. They may become a resident fish on a piece of structure, or they might just be nomadic again. They, they roll up, they spawn, they go right back out and they get on bait again. I'm not sure what they do, but every year there's always a population of fish that sit on the structure there's a population of fish that are shallow. There's a population of fish that are out there just swimming and they don't know you know, where they are now and they don't care because their only thought is following shad. That's all they're doing. And when they don't want to follow shad, I think they just suspend and chill or they they get down on the bottom and they hunker down. They put their bellies in the mud and they know that the bait's there. And then when they're ready to go, they probably just slide up and wait for those schools of bait to come by and, and, and get after them. So. To target those nomad you know those those pelagic fish you know really you have to get out there and use your eyeballs and look for birds you know they're the they're the best way to determine where uh, where actual uh bait is you know because the birds are eating bait you know the bass are eating bait birds are a dead giveaway for for where you know the bait is so for me my dog's gonna start barking here sorry guys <laughs> um so for me, it's, it's looking for birds and then using your graphs. So I run around, I use the Garmin, Echo Map, old and, uh, sorry, my Amazon he, He's,
0: he's excited. He loves fishing for pelagic fish. I apparently, know, Oh you know. man, he's going nuts.
4: <laughs> so, uh, so you use, use your, that. use
0: your mapping. What, what about forward facing zone? Or have you started chasing those nomads that way?
4: For sure, and that—that's what I was going to get to next—is that you know you have to know where to drop your motors, motor to start using forward facing. So look for birds, um, you know, or if it's traditionally they get in certain areas. Um, my lake at home, they—they they like to get in about three areas, and every year they're—they're they're in one of those three areas, and they change quite a bit based on water level. I've had them where they're out in just the middle of the lake, nothing around. There's no contours. there's nothing out there there's bait and a bunch of bass and you know when you find those areas where you think that they live i will go and sometimes i'll idle around i'll I'll try and see them on 2d and down view if i see them then i know there's even more down there when i drop and and look at them with with pan optics Uh, if i don't see them a lot of times i'll go and just Idle around, look, maybe there's birds. I'll just roll up to the birds, drop the trolling motor and start using panoptics and look for them. And it's unreal what you see out there. My, I've caught more crappie now at, at my home lake with with panoptics than, than I ever have in the past. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is that those fish, the crappie, I know exactly when I see them. They suspend in like five, ten feet of water over anywhere from 30 to 50. And, and they're the only ones that do that. I haven't caught any bass doing that, but you'll see 10 of them. You know, you'll, I'm out, it's, it's open water. There's nothing there. There's no structure. There might be structure on the bottom in 45 feet. There might be a rock pile down there, but those crappie aren't relating to that rock pile. They're in that area, in that five to 10 foot zone. And, and the bass kind of do the same thing, but not that high. I'll see them suspended about ten, 15, you know, fifteen feet off the bottom. Instead of being from zero to fifteen, they're in that bottom to fifteen range is where the where the bass are. And you know, it's it has changed the way I fish out there because now I can find those fish and cast them. Whereas before, you had to wait for them to get on your two D and drop straight down to them. And right. I think they're they're getting smart to that. They know that you're there. Uh, they can feel the two D they like to kind of sit off on the edges and look at you and not get underneath the boat.
0: Have you seen, yeah, we've been seeing that with the, with the forward facing too. We've been hearing, you know, they're running from that signal these days, at least that's what, uh, you know, that, that's what some guys are are seeing and, uh, and they feel like eventually the fish are probably going to get adjusted to that too, but they're not quite there yet, you know?
4: Yeah, it's, it's hard for them to run, you know, they can move where when you're looking at them straight down on two D it's not much for them to go from right here to there, to here, to there pan yeah. well, optics, I could just follow them, you know, so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's easier to target them. Now, I I do believe that they're going to get to that point, And I've seen a little bit where they know you're looking at them right. and you cast them and you can pluck one off here, one there they know that they don't feel comfortable right in that one spot they move over here and you can retarget them and make that cast to them and continue to do it but they don't like to stay there they like to kind of do this thing on you. but Mm -hmm. you're able to track them and and follow them and kind of make those repetitive casts and and be around the fish more whereas before you know it's happened to all of us a bunch where you drop on them you see them on 2d and you're dropping to them when they're gone, you don't know where they are. You just start figure eight, you just start moving around with the troll motor trying to find them again.
0: You right. don't have to do that now, which is which is great. I think it's I we were talking about this uh earlier earlier. It's it's what a great time to to learn about your forward facing sonar is the winter time right you know the fish are separate from their cover a lot of times and they're isolated or or around bait fish they're in place where you can shoot them and see their reaction you know this is this is a great time to practice don't you think oh man it's it's the it's the best time to do it you know fall and winter
4: that's when they get out and and they're easier to see out there yep Uh, summer you can duplicate it a lot as well Uh, a lot of times the to me the fish are kind of similar in the summer than they are in the winter time they get out in some of the same areas not all the time but they do get out in that little bit deeper water but man now the time to get out there and do it and look for them and cast them and and try to trick them maybe you find that that one little style bait you know maybe it's a it's a jig head with a shad style worm maybe it's a drop shot you know or at least now when you're fishing a structure spot you know i can see the fish swimming on the on the structure so at least it lets me Make a cast to it and spend more time on that cast Mm -hmm. than if I'm just fishing a structure spot. If I see the rock, I see whatever out there, and I don't see anything there. Why should I, you know, make one of those two minute casts to that spot if I'm not seeing one?
1: Exactly, it it makes things so much more like, like cerebral. Like you, you know, like once you know you're in an area that there's fish, like you said, Brent, it's like it gives you so much more confidence to go through that rotation of baits, color, shape, sizes, weights, falls, uh, action. Like I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Like, but like, if you never knew they were there, you're probably going to leave because you'd be like, there, there may not be yeah. a fish within five miles of here. but in the winter time, right? They're not, they're not easy to make bite in the winter. So you really have to think about it. Right. And that's what. Gives you, you know. confidence to stay. <laughs> exactly. For
4: sure. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it doesn't have to be a slow bait. You know, I, I've caught them cranking in the middle of winter where I look for those rock piles and, you know, normally I, I use pan optics to find the structure and cast to it. But it's funny when you're, you're making repetitive casts to structure, and you don't get a bite and then you move to the next spot and you see one or two sitting on it on there, you know, and guess what? On cast one or maybe cast four or five, you get that bite. Like you said, it's it's amazing just for your confidence level to know. Hey, I saw one there. He's around that spot now. I just got to get that bait to deflect off that rock a certain way to get that fish to bite.
2: Interesting. I got another what, question. You want to
0: jump in here? Yeah, I, 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 let me ask my question because uh, we watched Taco Ito. Um, uh, the mad scientist make these scent concoctions and uh you know vote this is the time well to me this is the best time of year for scent because it it really helps you get those bites you can't get a lot of times how does scent play a role in your fishing brent
4: you know i i believe it it works um you know sometimes i'm real methodical about using it other times i'm not um usually for me if if I am, you know, running around my home lake or, you know, it seems like half the time I fish now, it's four or three quarters of the time. It's, it's for something, you know, it's doing something for a sponsor or whatever. So I don't do that. Practice for tournaments are really the the only time I fish Um, really and get out there. Tournaments and, and practicing is about all the time I have for fishing these days. I use it in practice. I use it in the tournament. So I'm real big on not catching it in practice, you know, at the start of the morning, I slather all the baits with that stuff. Sometimes I'm reapplying, you know, every time I change the worm or haven't had a bite in a while, I'm reapplying. Uh, other times I go half the day and go, oh man, I haven't put anything on there. You know, so I'm not real religious about it, but I do feel it is effective. It, it can't hurt. Let's put it that way. What, what do you use? I just use uh, smelly jelly. I mean, ah, smells. It sticks jelly. to the bait. It 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 smells good. I think to fish. um, yeah. you know, but it stays on the bait. That's that's the part that I like. It's more of a a grease that adheres to the bait better. And so I just feel like you get more out of it. Whereas a spray or different things, it just seems like, you know, it seems like it comes off. You know, and it just dissolves in water and comes off faster. Whereas that smelly jelly, it feels like it stays on there longer. Um, you know, if I'm flipping and pitching and something like that, and you know, I know it's still on there because I'll be doing something, and next thing I know, I'll be like, "Oh man, my hand stinks!" You know, well, <laughs> it's because I've been grabbing that bait and pitching, so it's on there for a long time. So if I can smell it, I know they can smell it.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, and I I. I feel like I'm neglectful because I use it in the cold water seasons and then I, I get away from it in, in the warmer water seasons. And it probably I know it's equally effective. And like I said, we see a lot of guys use it. It's funny. It's a, I made fun of Taku, but I don't know what's in that bowl. I'm suspicious <laughs> about of, about what's going into that that concoction. But uh, the
2: magic sauce,
0: yeah, the magic sauce. I don't know, there, there there, might be fish parts in there. I want this sauce examined, I want to know what's in there. We got it, we got to send this to the uh, to the lab. But uh, we, we got a question, yeah, out
2: yeah. uh, on Facebook. Uh, Tom Arco, sorry if I killed your last name there, but uh, yeah, he had <laughs> a good uh, question along you know, talking about bass bi- biology in these cold winter conditions. Do you think they're relying more on their vision? Or maybe that lateral line or it's just a combination that you look at for, you know, conditions.
0: That's a great, great question. Brent, what's your what's your take on that in the cold water?
4: I think it's conditions. You know, I, I think clear water, they're they're more visual fishing or uh, you know, hunting. And uh, stained water, I think they're more lateral line. You know, you look at a smallmouth to me, they're they're very visual. They always are. Um, I think the conditions are are what dictate that. And you know, I think that you know, they're designed to hunt, you know, that's, that's what they do. And, uh, their, their God given talent is, is, you know, sight when it's clear lateral lines for feeling vibration. It's, it's whatever centuries they're going to use for their conditions, I believe. So, um, you know, one thing I know though, is that adverse conditions I like baits with rattles, you know, if it's going to be, uh you know windy overcast raining adverse conditions i like to give everything i can whereas if it's dead slick calm i like the quieter baits you know if i'm going to go with uh, a crankbait for example if it's calm i'm going to throw a silent 1.5 if it's nasty out i'm going to throw a 1.5 that has that drs that deep rattle sound to it uh to me that's just uh something that i feel like those fish that are hunting aggressively you know in those adverse conditions they're going to hear it from farther away they're going to see it they're going to track it better that's my thought you know i i think when it's dead slick calm they're more visual they don't need to hear it i think they hear the, the actual knock to those baits i think will kind of turn those fish off a little bit when it's slick calm
2: yeah that's the juice right
0: there yeah and good luck catching a fish in cold muddy water <laughs>
2: um
0: that's a that's a challenge no matter done, <laughs> it can be done but boys boy is it tricky i want to ask you about blade baits because we love them we love fishing them in the in the 40s uh and and when the water gets real cold do you do you do you, do you have any uh experience with that do you use them in your arsenal you know, I do a little bit. I've, I've caught plenty of fish on it, um, but
4: you know what I see is being more effective out here, uh, especially in like a clear lake scenario or you know my home lake too. Is is I use a Lucky Craft LV five hundred, and which is a, a lipless crankbait. Rippless. Yep. But I fish it the same way you guys fish a blade bait. I fish it on the bottom like a jig. Mm-hmm. You cast it out, let it hit the bottom. You pull it, let it hit the bottom. You know. Not necessarily a pole, a big hop. I fish it just like I would a, a jig, like kind of like what you guys do with that blade bait. You fish it on the bottom. And I'll do that with an LV500. I've caught them at Lake Havasu that way really well uh, as well. So, you know, around the, the West Coast, I've done it in a lot of scenarios. But like I said, I, I use that LV500, that lipless crankbait, instead of a blade bait.
0: Interesting. And, and, and I've done that t- done that too. That blade bait is, is something else. And and uh that li- lipless lip as a matter of fact, you know, as I remember, uh Jared Littner uh talks about uh worming that mm. that blade bait in, in that fat in that exact fashion uh over on Bash U. And uh, you know, it's, it's lipless is a great cold water bait, guys. It's it's definitely in that in that vein of everything that we're talking about. I want to ask you this I, I mean there's the big swim baits and that craze that really is is out in California does is that is is the cold weather is the cold season a time of year for that or is it does it go away when the water temperatures get real cold you know the 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 big swim bait is uh,
4: was a big deal out here believe me there's a there's a whole subculture of guys that that's all they do the big bait guys um, you know there's kind of those niche bass fishermen out there so for me it was a big deal i used it a lot at my home lakes and yeah it was a cold water condition you know scenario but the reason for that is that starting in november that's when they would plant the trout Ah. so november through march is when they would plant trout so you're using that big trout colored swim bait they don't plant trout anymore out here so i have shied away from throwing that because they just don't see it anymore believe me, a bass is, is going to attack a bait regardless. You know, they like big baits. They'll follow them and they'll bite them here and there, but not as much as they used to, you know, back in the day, I would do that. You know, we talked about the reaction baits now. So, so now when I go out there first thing in the morning, I throw the jerk bait and the crank bait, you know, 15 years ago, I would go out and I would throw the big bait until 10 o'clock in the morning every day. And You know, every day I would have several bites on it, catch one on it. You wouldn't always hook them, but uh, they keyed on trout, whereas now they don't key on the trout because they're not in there. So it was a cold water. The nastier the day, the better. You could throw it all day long. If it was one of those windy, rainy days, Mm -hmm. start to finish, dark to dark, you could throw that swim bait all day long. Um, But now I just don't do it. What, ha- what happened with the trout they why did they stop it's California the trouts an invasive species and therefore you can't plant them in the water it's it's a bunch of weird you know stuff uh, going on here in California but uh, they've they've you know i I think it hurts the fishing um, you know those we're not seeing the the big fish that we used to in California um, you know there's a, a long stretch there where you know there's a lot of guys that I know that would catch. You know those 12 to 18 pounders i don't hear that anymore lord yeah i mean think about an 18 pounder you know i mean it's the biggest one i've caught is a 12 and i wish i could go out and do it because i have the determination now to go out and throw it knowing that i'm not gonna get very many bites but if they're not looking for trout what's the point of me throwing it you know it's they're gonna bite it yes but not as good as they're gonna bite something else so Take, take some of the lakes down in uh, Mexico, for example. Uh, I can't remember if it's Salto or Backrack. They don't have crawdads down there. So you go down there and you throw a jig, you're going to catch fish, but you're not mimicking a bait that they eat. You know, there's mm-hmm. just they don't bite a, a jig with a kicker tails. They do because they're a bass and they're going to eat something, but that's not a primary forage for them. So what do you do when you go down there? You take a seven inch Sanko and you pin it on the back of a three quarter ounce football jig. It's the dumbest thing you've seen in your life, but they'll bite that 10 to one over a kicking tail on a jig.
1: What does that look like though?
4: I, I call it the palm tree because when you cast it, it looks just like a palm tree in the air. <laughs> but I don't know what they think it looks like. It's just something moving on the bottom to them, but it's the same thing for the fish out here right now. If that trout colored swim bait swim swims by they're going to attack it here and there, but it's not one of their primary forages for that time of year. Yep. So in the back in the day it was, man, they would, they would offload those, the, the <laughs> trout truck would come down the boat ramp and they, Must put have been that, awesome. they put that thing out the back and they start, you know, sending a bunch of tra- trout down that chute. Mm. I mean, within five minutes, you see trout jumping like, like, you know, shiners out of the water trying to get away from <laughs> that. So oh, that's awesome. The, <laughs> they, don't, they don't do that anymore, unfortunately. But, man, some of those lakes in San Diego, there's still a lot of big bait guys down there. They still talk, you know, stock trout. Guys are still catching them on those baits. But for me, going to Lake Paris, they don't stock trout,
0: so I don't throw the swim bait anymore. I I, I got you. you. You know what? I just want to give a shout-out to the guys at, in Texas and their Lunker Share program there, which is building uh, really some big fish factories um in texas um ivy is the is, is the the latest and greatest it's putting out double digits and it's getting to be on that time of year the cold the cold weather is the time to get the big ones uh a lot of like they in texas they get them all between january and february and march that's when all that's when the the lunker sharers come in they're all 13 pounds and up
2: yeah
0: and wow. um and and that's when we get them by the way we are going to be there in Texas with Bash University in Athens, uh in January. We're gonna be in Shreveport in South Carolina and in Alabama this year. So get over to the bashuniversitycom and tickets are available for those classes. I think Shreveport might not be up yet, but it will be very, very soon. And uh and we'll we're gonna announce some speakers here at 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 uh, for those shows here shortly. But uh Brent, you got a big schedule coming up this year, man. What's what's on your hit list? What what are you most excited about?
4: Um, you know, I, I like St. Clair. That's one of my favorite lakes. We're going there early. We're going there in June. I've I've never been there that time of year. Oh, it's gotta but be I, a spawn, right? I have no idea. I, I you know, I don't think I fished it earlier than you know mid July, early July. So being there earlier is going to be great. Cayuga early in June is going to be great as well.
0: Um, did you hear? But did you hear that a state record caught out of Cayuga this past no. year? It was. Oh a, yeah, yeah. Yep, that eight pound yeah, smallie small small caught out there. of there. Jeez.
4: Yeah, the smallmouth are getting pretty strong in there for sure. Um, you know, I don't know that lake very well. I've always targeted largemouth there. i mean, I've only been there twice. Um, but uh, I can't remember what else the.
0: Let me look and see. Here we got it. Uh, I got the schedule. Right here. We we you're in Kissimmee. Uh I guess the Kissimmee chain of lakes is where you're kicking off. If yeah. I'm looking at the right schedule, I'm over on the website. No, you're um, right. You're right.
4: Uh Kissimmee, I think, is is uh it's a decent fishery. You know, that time of year, early February, early, you know, middle of February is if we have the right weather, it's gonna be a really good tournament. Uh, if we have a cold front, it's going to be tough. Uh, Norman, uh, for a red crest is going to be a a decent tournament. You know, I haven't been there in a long time. We used to fish Lake Norman every year, uh, an FOW, but I haven't been there for a long time. So hopefully that's a fun one. Uh, Cherokee and Douglas is the next one for a regular season event. I think Cherokee could be a lot of fun. I know Douglas is a fairly tough fishery. I don't know how they're going to play that out for what days you're going to fish there. You know, maybe first round is on cherokee and finals are on douglas i don't i have no idea how they're going to play that out That's uh, lake murray it i think could be a really good one as well i haven't been there in a number of years uh but early april lake murray that might be a sight fish tournament they they might you know on beds that time of year so the fish will be up on the bank could be a lot of fun there's a lot of big fish in Lake murray um you know could really be a fun tournament Heavy Hitters is back at those lakes in uh, Louisiana, Um, Caney and Boosie. uh, Boosie, Boosie. yeah. It could be a good one. It's later in the year. When we were there last year, it was in February, and it was brutal, brutal fishing. I mean, it snowed on us. They they canceled (laughs) one day of practice, which was strange. Um, They didn't want us to be cold, apparently. I don't know. But – they canceled a the day of practice, so they gave us one day of practice. And guess what? It snowed on us on that one day of practice they gave us, and, and it was basically the same, if not worse, than the day they canceled. But that's uh, always that's
0: the way it works
4: out, isn't it? So uh, that could be a tournament, so I, 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 a lot of big ones there. I mean, look at a bunch of records were were broken there for big fish. You know, Randy Howell caught a almost thirteen pounder in that tournament. So um, anytime you catch a high twelve you know, it was a, it was a 12, 14. I don't remember how big it was, but there were so many seven, eight, nines, tens caught in that tournament just in, in a short period of time. So we're going there in uh, April. Uh, You know, that could be, my guess is that'll actually be a post-spawn tournament, you know, for being in Louisiana like that, that could actually be a post-spawn tournament, but, there's a lot of big ones that live there. Maybe the is really good. So, uh, all said and done, though, I'm still looking forward to that St. Clair. That's just one of my favorite lakes across the country.
0: Going there earlier could be a lot of fun. It could be even even crazier. So, I, I can't wait good. to see it. I mean, it, I've never been there during the spawn either. It got to be. It's got to look like the crater, craters on the moon. You know, just everywhere. Uh, yeah. If if you happen to catch it at that season, and I know like I talked about the records on, on Cayuga, but they've, man, they're, they're, they're jacking uh, stringers that time of year in the upper twenties, you know, to, to win team tournaments, you know, uh, on that body of water that time of year. So um, yeah, that could be, that could be quite spectacular. What what do you do? You, the, you're going to the the heavy five, what's your, I got to ask you that. How you feeling about that <laughs> um, versus, you know, Every fish counts to going back to the heavy five. Do you like that or not? Yeah, good question. I'm I'm
4: fine with it. I uh I could care less either way. I just want what's you know best for the greater good. That's all I care about. I want the fans to be happy. I want the anglers to be happy. To me, it doesn't matter. It probably won't change anything I do. I, I didn't really change anything to uh cater to the every fish counts. Believe me, it's it's easier to. Uh, try and catch a smaller one or know that a smaller one will help, but it doesn't matter. All said and done, you still have to catch, you know, some big fish in the mix. Um, I've probably been more competitive on, on the five fish format. I look at the chances that I've, you know, the tournaments that I've won the opportunities where I have almost won. I probably had more of those opportunities at the you know five fish limit format that I have the every fish counts. Um but I don't think we're gonna to see too much of a change. I know that they they did a study, you know, going back on the last year or two and looking at the you know the weights of the guys that won, the guys who are on that cut line and they calculated it out to uh what would have happened if it was a five fish format versus the every fish counted. No nope. they- Oh man, what was that? That's fascinating. They made it sound like there was very little change. No kidding. So, so think about that. Every fish counts, but the the actual album was, was very similar based on their biggest five. So it's funny because people say that, oh, it's easy to go out there and just catch a bunch of small ones. That's all the Bass Pro tours. They go out and catch nothing but small ones.
1: It's That's not, easy. not the
4: case. You know, <laughs> think about the guys. Think about the guy that goes out and he caught five that day for 15 pounds, okay? And let's say he finished in our format. He finished in, you know, 20th place or something, okay, for five for 15 pounds. Well, the guy that caught 20 for who knows how much. Let's say he had 20 bass, horrible fish for 60 pounds, okay? out of those 20 scoreables he had for the 60 pounds, I promise you five of them were bigger than 15 pounds. So the guy that was out there catching more fish, I promise you had his best five would have been competitive to the guys that were only catching five that were trying to you know, go for those big fish. So uh, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of change. What I will see is that it is going to be a lot easier to do well now. And I say that because, if you're out there running around and you only caught five, you're still in the mix. Whereas before yeah. if you five, you wouldn't have been in the mix. So really it's only going to be easier to compete.
0: Right. Right. Well, I, I guess it'll keep the guys that are having a slow start in more engaged in the competition. Right. Like, uh, I, I think so. Yeah.
4: I mean, if, you know, there's guys that that like to to fish that way. You know, Randall Tharp is, is, is one of those guys. Hackney was one of those guys that just, I think they're comfortable with only catching five and they're going to do what they feel like they need to do to get those five bigger bites. You know, Randall Tharp is a great example of that. He's, he's a great fisherman. And I think he excels on those, those grinder of tournaments, knowing that he doesn't care if he's got four with 20 minutes to go in the day. He knows he's doing the right thing to get that five pound bite. Mm-hmm. and he's done it a ton. I mean, look at him. He's had a tremendous amount of success by doing that. And I'm not that style of fisherman. I hate trying to catch only five all day. Believe me, I've, I've been the right there where I catch two or I catch four. Or I only caught five. I've done that plenty of times, but I'd much rather catch that limit and then only worry about getting two more bikes the rest of the day, you know, even though you catch a twelve, a twelve-inch fish at a tournament where it's going to take twenty pounds to do well, I still feel better mentally knowing that I've got that fifth one in the boat. If that makes sense.
0: Me too. Yeah, it de- it definitely it it adds a comfort or you know it, it it changes your mentality. I know a lot of people live that way. Just get uh, the
1: monkey off your back. Yeah, get you know that. F- f-
0: get that five, and then and then move on. I wonder about uh the the top. Right. Cause you know, I'm, I mean, I watch all, I watch all this stuff, man. I love the lives. I love it across the board. And, uh, what we saw in major league fishing was guys pull out in front and a lot. And then they would, um, they'd be so far out in front that they could, they would basically stop fishing a lot. And, um, I wonder how it's going to affect that. Like, is it going to keep them battling? uh, the, 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 front runners. I wonder if that's going to be the case.
4: I, I think so. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't get that lead. I mean, there's, there's only so far you can go with five fish. Right. You know, you're going to get maxed out at some point to where you're going to be culling ounces instead of adding, you know, four or five pounds of weight to your, your bag when you catch one, you know, so, uh, there's going to be a point there where, I think it's actually going to be easier to lay off the fish if you're just trying to qualify. Now, if it's, you know, where the weight carries over, obviously you're trying to catch as much as you possibly can, but, uh, the guys aren't as safe now. Let's put it that way for advanced. Whereas if you have a hundred pounds and it's the cut line is 30, you don't have to catch fish the next day. You're going to advance to the next round. So it is a lot easier. It's the same way where, if you and I go out in a five-fish limit, you know, format. Let's say you're out on the Chesapeake and uh, you go out and catch a 23-pound stringer right out of the gate in the morning. You know, let's say it's nine o'clock and you've got 23 pounds, you don't need to catch another one the rest of the day, so you, you're able to go and practice now because you know you've got a, a, a limit, you're good on mm-hmm. a multi-day tournament. So, I've done that plenty of times in the past in a five-fish limit where. I'm done fishing at nine and now I'm pre fishing the rest of the day. And right. You maybe one or two bonus fish throughout the day to add to that weight. But normally you have a target weight that you're trying to get to on a multi day tournament where you're also trying to conserve the fish so you can catch them the next day. If you're trying to conserve fish, you're done at nine o'clock in the morning. You're able to go and practice.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. There's the, yeah, I, I hadn't really dove into this except for this moment with you. There's a lot. It adds a lot of complexities in the decisions that the guys are going to have to make in, in real time. Uh, it's going to change change things a little bit. I, 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 opt- hopefully, it, you know, it adds to the excitement. You know, I want to ask you this because uh, I don't. How is the four? Is it, are you going to carry your weight through to the finals, or is it going to stop and zero out? And when you make the finals, how is that going to work this year? So the way it works this year is uh, you, know, you fish
4: your first round, which is two days. Uh, the top 20 advance to the next round, which is the knockout round. Now, when you're in the knockout, now this is five fish each day. So you have you know 10 allowed fish for the first round. Uh, if you're in the top 20 of each of your divisions, you know, there's a group A and group B. The top 20 from each go to the knockout round. So there's 40 guys in the knockout round. Uh, they take 10 from the knockout round to go to the finals, but now, uh, your weight carries over from the knockout round to the finals. So first round you have your 10 fish to go to the knockout round. When you get to the knockout round, the weights start over again. Now you fish the knockout round. If you're in the top 10, you go to the finals, but your weights are carrying over. Okay. So the way it used to be is that it was knockout or is the, the first round, Weights zeroed going to the knockout round, weights zeroed going to the finals. It's no longer that way. I think there's I like that. A, there's also no longer a win the first round and advance straight to the finals. There is no longer that option. So
0: you have to fish the first round, you have to fish the second round to make it to the finals. Interesting. Yeah, I, I always liked it when the weights carried over. I thought that that's a that's an asset. You know, rewarding a guy for for having a good event and having a good day, even, I think that's a, that's a big deal. And what, but- what's
4: interesting is that we've seen it a bunch where the guy wins the first round and advances straight to the, the finals and finishes dead last in the finals. Yeah. You know, so like you said, a guy can get on that flurry, he can catch a ton of fish and he can qualify, but those fish are gone, you know? So over a four day period, is he really the best fisherman? You know, it's, it's good to see now where the weights do carry over. And, uh, you know, the guy that wins that at the end of the tournament is the one that truly deserved to win.
0: Well, that's the end game. But let me keep my fish. Worked hard for those fish. <laughs> but uh, Brent, man, it's awesome having you on, man. I appreciate Appreciate what you do for Bass U. And, um, you know, I want to invite everybody watching, uh, you know, to watch Brent on Thursday. We're going to be releasing his power shotting seminar, which is, uh, man, it's – powerful technique that's going to be dropping on bash you tv so get yourself over and get subscribed and we'll be watching out on tour this year man wish you the best of luck
4: thank you i appreciate it thanks for thanks for having me on and uh anxious to see the the power
0: shot seminar as well <laughs> I I can't I can't wait. I think everybody's going to love it, and uh, you know we're going to be rooting for you this year out on tour. Wish you a happy holidays for you and yours. Hope you have a great one, and we'll catch up with you soon, buddy. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. You bet, Brent Erler, Thanks, everybody,
4: <laughs>
0: the champ, mega champ, and uh, what a good deal. Wintertime fishing. It's uh, I, I tell you, it, it's such a great time to learn. It, you gotta you gotta dress for it. Here's another standing order. Anybody watching? A cold fisherman catches no fish. That's right. Guaranteed. So so you got to (laughs) dress. That's right. You got to have the right. Just get yourself some good clothes.
1: Um, It's key. You'll you'll be happy. You'll be happy that you're warm. It only takes getting cold, cold once to realize that you never want to get cold. Never want to get cold. (laughs) You stop caring.
2: Yeah.
0: You're like,
1: I don't care if the fish bites. The only thing I care
0: about is getting in the truck and getting a warm cup of coffee. Exactly. You know, and that's where you don't want to go. By the way, I want to, you guys got to check this out. If you're, you're you're a VIP, if you're a member of Bash University. That's right. And get over there. There's an amazing uh, uh, amount of warm weather gear available on Rapala.com. Use use your code, use your access, and you can get stuff. uh really great, great price, but amazing gear. Uh, I, I wear that stuff all winter long. It's the ice fishing gear. Ice force. Yeah, and I don't. Um, I don't ice fish that much, but it's just amazing. You can put that park on. Doesn't matter how bad the wind's blowing. Doesn't matter how cold it is. You just don't get cold. Yeah, their know?
2: clearance section is unbelievable. Like yeah. you can get some of their very nice suits for like half price. Yeah, y-
0: you got to do it. Got to get exactly. that stuff on and you won't ever get cold and you'll you you know you'll enjoy fishing out in this cold weather. Uh, you're going to ca- catch some of these big fish that we're talking about. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to give away some stuff. We'll be right back after this quick message.
1: What's going on? It's Riz here from the Bash University and I am excited to welcome in Waterwood Custom Baits to the Bashu family. These are custom handmade baits In the south rainforest of Brazil, they're made of marupa pedra wood. It's extremely dense, it's resistant, but it's also really buoyant. They're made of quality components with a 100% guarantee. They're made for tournament anglers to get it done when the money is on the line. Guys, that was like my second cast with this bait. That's a Waterwood custom bait. These things are handmade in the rainforest south of Brazil and i mean as you can see right here it's a fish catching bait it's got the front hook that means they wanted it this baits uh it's running really true it throws really well guys check them out at waterwoodcustombaits.com
0: BassBoatForSale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel. Providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure, so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. Bassboatforsale.com. Check it out.
1: AquaView, the leader in underwater viewing technology. find what you are looking for catch more fish have more fun aqua view seeing is believing
0: why do you love catching fish and rods i'm truly losing less fish
1: it is the
3: sensitivity of the rod
1: that's made right here in north carolina in the usa Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford,
0: North Carolina. From
3: the drop shot rod, the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability
1: in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle.
3: It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hooks. That boom goes the dynamite! line. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Makoda and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together, the One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count.
1: Welcome back to the Welcome Bash University, to Bass Live. University Live. Come on, Katie. Come on, sir. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we're uh, we're just finishing up. We're gonna give away some stuff. Uh, we had we, we got a cool uh, post that you think? Uh, Rich put up about what's the coldest you've ever been fishing, in. I just there. I remember mine was on Lake Travis in Texas, and um, and the high
1: for the high temperature for the day was. Uh, can you even hear my? Mic? yeah ah, Pete's not wearing a headset nah. so we can't hear anybody we can't, can't right hear right anything now. yeah
0: I was the coldest day uh, coldest day we've had on fishing was lake um Lake Travis in and it was the highs were in the low 20s and it was amazing uh the the ice ramps were icing up we were backing our boats down they were sliding into the lake mm. uh, on iced up ramps uh blew my powerhead that day. Uh, cause we were late. I cranked up the powerhead, slammed it into gear and tried to make it to take off on or take off on time. So it was late. And, uh, the, the motor was ice cold and boom, seized up, lost my motor for the tournament. First oh, thing.
2: Wait a minute. Yep. Pete, you were the last one on the water. What?
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> you know always a, pulling it's, up. Literally. It's a, it's a habit of mine. Yeah. But now <laughs> we were all late. The, the ramp was icing up so bad. Right. Half the field could not get launched and make it to the takeoff on time yeah so it was a uh, really crazy crazy cold b- cold deal like but i see a lot of you guys are fishing in the cold team
2: they froze to the trailers yeah they're trying to launch both yeah master classic in yep. 15
0: yeah you know yeah that was a cold one too it was yep. yeah yeah uh, oh, grand no. lake what oh, was it grand we, grand well that well i fished the one in, at grand that was another crazy crazy yeah. cold tournament but uh I like the I like the summertime classics. I really do. I like I like when they fish Mm -hmm. in the summertime, but it's most popular that time of year, so I get it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're we're gonna do you have a a winner for our like and share,
1: yeah. So our Facebook like and share from today's show, the winner is Randall Woodham. Thanks, Randall. Randall Woodham. Thanks for watching. Sharing the feed, man. Uh we appreciate that. And uh the big winner from the Rapala contest this past week. Um, we had a contest running on our page all week long. It was like the post tag two buddies, follow us, follow Rapala, and the big winner from that was Caleb Kyle. Congrats. Caleb, Caleb Kyle. I'll uh, be sending you a message out there on the social media waves. Thanks for following along. Thanks for more, sharing our contest and uh, more Christmas a, stuff coming, right? Yeah, being a subscriber of the program, it's it's awesome stuff and. Today's trivia question for the Bash University Live Show is: What is Brent Erler's home lake? What is Brent Erler's home lake? We need to know what that is, where he lives out there in Southern yeah
0: California. where he practices uh, this this time of year. Uh, exactly. Hey, Rich, what what is it? Don't we're going to have another Christmas weekly giveaway coming up? What do we got? What do we got coming up?
1: We have a we have a few things uh, coming up. So Pete, we have. Uh, we have a uh, uh, Waterwood Custom Bait's uh, pack coming out, and one more prize coming out for week four of the oh, cool. uh, of the four weeks of Christmas at Bash University. Uh, so stay tuned, guys. We'll be posting that on social media uh, later this week, and you can get involved in uh, in the contest, win some awesome prizes.
2: Yeah, you know the best thing too—you if get on that newsletter we put out a newsletter once a week that's got the our, all our latest greatest content our contest that's going on links to some of our greatest uh teachers out there so sign up for that newsletter it's on our website it's online these contests will be a part of that so uh get on and uh, we'll send you a good informative newsletter once a week and uh you'll love it make sure you're
0: signed up take that
1: box guys
0: check that box. Oh, that's check right
2: check that box
1: and we got a winner on the uh what, what?
0: what was the answer i can't that remember was
1: paris lake paris lake paris and the winner of that is saint crest congratulations saint crest you were the first one to come through with right. paris lake paris awesome good work congratulations um,
0: happy holidays merry christmas
1: guys don't forget we're also doing something on social right now uh it's a challenge i'm throwing it out there to you guys hope you're watching paying attention man it's easy all you gotta do is this. Pull up your phone, turn the video on, and tell us why you love to fish. We want to hear the reasons why you love to fish. Take that video, send it in to uh to to you can send it to my email and we'll post it on social. Which and is, I'll, I'll, put, which is
0: what's your email? Uh
1: my email is riz.bashulive at gmail.com. So it's, that, it's and it's in it, the newsletter. It, okay. exactly <laughs> how it's spelled, guys. Riz. Riz.bashulive at gmail.com um and guys we want to we want to feature you on our pages take that video tell us why you love the fish or if you just want to send us fish pictures with a little bit of a story behind it on how you caught the fish where you caught it what you caught it on exactly what the water temperature was exactly what the conditions were so that we can go out there and catch the same fish i'm just kidding you don't have to do all that <laughs> but seriously send us some stuff and uh, we want to feature you guys on the page
0: Awesome. Yeah. Get that, get that stuff in. We'd love to hear from you guys. Appreciate you being part of the Bashu program. We've got a lot of exciting things coming. If you come, come see our events, people travel from all over the country and world really to come and see the events. And uh, we're at the bash go to the bash You get a listing of where we're going to be. We're going to be releasing a lot more details as far as who our instructors are going to be this year and what the events are at each one of those weekend classes so it's winter time it's cold it's great time to learn it's saturday and sunday events uh we we go all day we have speakers and (laughs) seminars going all day it's it's a blast to hang around with a bunch of fish heads like us and learn about fishing from really the best anglers on the planet so that's that's going to be going on we're going to be back next week with another bass university live and i want to wish you guys all the best and we look to see you next week uh that's awesome. Riz. that's Scott. I'm um, Pete, Bash University Life.
2: Happy holidays.